Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. I have some really exciting guests today. And uh, before we dive in to hear all about their organization, which is relatively new to me, but not new to the area, I uh, want to just give a shout out to our friends at Hubbard for giving us this amazing studio space and letting us uh, just work with them cooperatively all the time. We just uh, really appreciate them uh, more than we could ever express. Uh, with me today is uh, Rachel Ebling. Did I say that right? Yes. Rachel. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Rachel Ebling, the executive director of the Angel Band Project, and she has brought with her uh, Tracy Sandheinrich, who is the lead music therapist for this region. Uh, welcome, Rachel and Tracy. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Great to be here. So, Rachel, you and I have worked on kind of some other sort of projects together um, and were introduced by a mutual friend of ours who's wife actually works for the Angel Band Project. So um, I am fascinated by your organization. So could you talk a little bit about what your org is and, and um, what you all seek to do? Sure. Well, so the Angel Band Project was founded in St. Louis uh, shortly after a tragedy occurred in the summer of 2009. So we've been doing this work informally really since the inception, but got more organized about a year into doing some grassroots fundraising for victims of sexual violence. Um, in July of 2009, I lost one of my best friends to a tragic uh, act of sexual violence. She and I grew up together. Her name was Teresa Butts. Uh, we grew up together in St. Louis in kind of the South side, Holly Hills area. And as, a, as adults, our paths kind of separated naturally. I stayed and started raising my family in St. Louis, and Teresa had moved to Seattle, Washington uh, when she was about 27 years old and really loved it out there, wound up starting her career and really getting settled in the Seattle area. So in that summer, she was actually uh, planning a wedding ceremony. She and her partner were engaged to be married in September of 2009. And it was during that time that these two women were br brutally attacked in their home, uh, resulting in Teresa's death. And her partner narrowly survived that that stabbing, that rape and stabbing attack. So, you know, unfortunately, this uh, this came from a place of pain. Uh, we needed to find a way to grieve, to support one another, to be there for Jen, Teresa's partner, uh, who was attacked. And really, the solace came through music. Uh, Teresa was from a very musically gifted family, one of 11 siblings, big Catholic family in South St. Louis. I was going to say the Butts family is a very big, big family, big name. If you know South City, you know them. And I remember when this happened because I had just moved back to St. Louis and the outpouring of grief and what now and how can we support this this family was really pretty overwhelming from, from my understanding. It was just, there was just so much palpable, like, what can we do? How can we rally behind this, like these stewards of the St. Louis community? Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could phrase it any better. You described it absolutely a hundred percent. 
I think because of the numbers, because of all of the family members and friends who were connected to their family, we all felt compelled to do something. Mm -hmm. And so music was there for us, uh, both at Teresa's funeral, as well as in a memorial service that was out in Seattle. And so a friend and I decided let's commemorate uh, Teresa's journey by creating a benefit album that would really spread hope and healing through music and raise funds for programs that support survivors of sexual assault. So that's how we got started. But then it evolved very quickly because we started getting approached by other organizations on a, on a national level about our story of finding hope and healing through music. And in doing that, I started researching music therapy as an appropriate intervention for those who survive these types of traumatic events. And really, that was when we determined we, we had something to provide in a larger scope than just putting out a benefit album to hopefully make people, you know, kind of become more aware and more empathic towards the survivor's journey. So that music therapy program started a few years later. I mean, you really all used that grief as a catalyst for change. And we talk uh, to family members who have lost loved ones to substance use disorder, young children, partners, and they want to do something. Not everybody, right? I mean, some people just want to just be and move on and not think about it. And other people really want to take that grief, tap into it and figure out how to prevent that from ever happening to somebody else or helping provide support. And so you did that here in this situation. So did you always uh, imagine you were going to like run a nonprofit, be an executive director? It's super fun, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Finding the funding, managing a board, worrying about staffing, thinking about expansion. I'm sure you just wanted to do this since kindergarten, right? Oh my gosh. I'll tell you what, you know, I, I, I really have loved the path I I have. It's not one that I saw coming. I did not anticipate getting into nonprofit work. However, even as a young age, at a young age, I remember my, my family really instilled in us the giving back to the community. And so I don't know, it it didn't, it, it wasn't a hard choice. Um, it was just a need and it was something we had to do. It was kind of like, there was no choice. We had to support each other. We had to, you know, really take someone's life and build a legacy around that as best as we could. And so I do love the work. I am humbled by the work every single day. Uh, I am reminded that not every family and every woman has the kind of path and privilege that I have in that I am not a victim of, you know, gender-based violence but one in five women is. And so I don't take this work lightly. I understand that there are many people in the rooms that we fill every single day, in restaurants, in parks, in schools. There are victims everywhere. And if we can encourage those victims to come forward and feel supported on their journey, that is what the Angel Band Project wants to do for those people. Um, And I will just mention I mean, I've said it on here before when we've had other people talking about sexual assault, like many times we will specifically talk about women as 
or you know girls as victims or survivors but and, and we know that it happens to men too but overwhelmingly it it's females that we're talking about so it's not to exclude men but we also like for sake of conversation, we're focusing on women, correct? Of course. And we we yes. serve all survivors, regardless of correct. how they identify. Um, yes. I can only say that I can identify my experience as a female. Totally. But clearly, yep. this is something that impacts every gender, every age, every demographic. It is just, you know, I, I think... When we grew up, you know, years ago, I always thought survivors of domestic violence were from a certain demographic. I didn't totally. understand. It's what you saw it. on TV. It's what, Absolutely. yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think using this as a place to really, you know, showcase the truth that this impacts all, you know, striations of society, all, you know, all socioeconomic levels. We just, I think, you know, victims, and I say victims because right, yep. when this happens, you are a victim. We do though. It happens to, to you. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't deserve it. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. It doesn't matter where you were. It doesn't matter if you were intoxicated. Like it happened to you because of a power issue. Sorry. Absolutely. In case you can't tell, I get a little worked up about this. I used to work in this field. So just just to clarify in case people are listening. This yes. happens to you. It's not because you did anything to deserve it. Correct. Exactly. And so, you know, so, so then when we meet up with, you know, these individuals that we're going to hopefully walk with on their path to healing, that is what then helps them become a survivor. You know, you get through the trauma, you get through the immediate act of violence or abusive relationship that you've been in, then you're surviving. And ultimately we want to see them thriving. And I have totally. had the pleasure of seeing those changes happen. And that's why we do the work. And that's why Tracy comes and does the work that she does because she can enable those changes to happen. I love that you sort of walked through the metamorphosis that happens when somebody goes from victim to survivor to thriver like that. I've not heard it articulated like that. And I really like that. So Rachel, you've had kind of a winding path here and you know, you were brought into this field because of tragedy and you're using it to change the darn world. Um, Tracy, have you always wanted to be a musical therapist? Like that's like a cool, like I'm not musically inclined at all. So I just love this. So talk to me about your journey. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I've been a board certified music therapist for almost 15 years. Um, so I've been a singer and musician my entire life. What do you play? Um, like, what do you, what do you play? I play, play guitar, piano, and I was a, um, vocalist. So, um, and I play, do a little ukulele here and of there. Of course, so. just throw it in. <laughs> Why not? Um, so yeah, so I, um, like I said, did music all my life. I sort of stumbled across music therapy, uh, my end of my sophomore year in college when I was finishing gen eds and, um, was originally going on a, a different path. Um, and at that point in time, I stumbled across someone who was a music therapist and we just got to talking and um, I was like, man, I really love helping people. And two, I miss doing music and putting those two beautiful things together. Sounds like a dream job. So, um, so that's kind of what 
led me to music therapy. I also grew up with a grandmother that was in a nursing home. Um, the majority of my uh, childhood and into young adulthood. And I saw at a very young age, um, visiting with a grandmother on a weekly basis with my father, who was also a musician. So it was his mother. Um, my dad and I used to do music in the nursing homes and we used to do music with her. And um, she had dementia and glaucoma. So I, I realized sort of at a very young age that like, wow, music is doing something here. Like she can't remember um, what she ate for breakfast, but she can remember all the lyrics to let me call you sweetheart, yeah. you know, yeah. or, yeah. um, totally. And then, and then talking and then singing through music has now, um, activated something in her brain to say, oh, I, I remember this. And, oh, I remember this when I did that, or that was the song that I danced to at my wedding. And, you know, so just, I, I realized, um, maybe not at the time, but as I got older through life and learned more, I realized there's something to this here, like neurologically. Something I was going to say, like, can we nerd out for a second? So yeah. there's some people who hear like music or art therapy and think that, you know, you're basically like singing like happy birthday, like, but that's mm -hmm. not it. There's like no some brain it's science here mm -hmm. and you have like a legitimate degree. Like, yes. I, could you talk a little bit about the brain and what music does? And because, you know, when we talk about substance use disorder and brain development and how it changes, like we get a lot of folks who are like, yes, I love this. So like nerd out for a second, uh, a second, talk about yeah, how this works. No okay. Yeah. I think, um, you know, in previous research, uh, maybe more like 20 years ago. So music therapy started back in the forties when nurses were using music as to help, um, survivors of war come back. And huh. they were, they were finding out how therapeutic music application was to soldiers that were dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. Huh. So that being said, if you fast forward to the seventies and eighties, uh, neurological research used to kind of tell us that that music was only localized in one part of the brain. Further, and more recent research has shown us that it literally lights up every part of the brain. The emotional oh. parts, the motor parts, the memory, the auditory. So it lights up all parts of your brain and you don't have to necessarily be conscious for your body and brain to be affected by the music. So we also have what's called audiospinal fluid. And so it's, it's sort of that thing where you, you know, you hear a rhythm and you naturally entrain to it, or you see someone that maybe is in a nursing home and not as responsive, but they're sitting there tapping their toes. Totally. To music, that was my grandma. Yep. Exactly. But they can't remember their name or where they yep. are or what year it is. Um, so we are musical beings. I mean, we are rhythmic beings. So our brain is definitely is activated by all types of music. And um, we use music application in different aspects of that. So kind of going to your next question of like, what is the music therapy degree? Yeah. So music therapy is an allied health profession. And there's about a, a, a little bit over 70 accredited programs in the United States that offer a, a music therapy degree, whether that's a Bachelor of Science or a Bachelor of Arts degree. Um, I specifically have a Bachelor of Science degree. So that being said, um, 
the easiest way to describe what music therapy is, is music therapy is when a music therapist utilizes music interventions or applications to meet non-musical goals. In other words, if I'm using like, let's go back to my grandmother who can't, couldn't remember where she was or whatever, I might be using music to help her communicate. So I'm using a music therapy intervention, but the goal is not music related. If I'm working with a five-year-old with autism, we might be working on educational goals, but you're using music and putting those directions in a song because the child can conceptualize music differently than they can speech. So music therapy looks different with every population. Um, going it's back like to when you we... walk into a kindergarten classroom and the teachers are like, you know, clean up, clean, clean you know, up. and like, yep. right, exactly. Or like, mm-hmm. and now we blah, 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 blah. like mm-hmm. it, it like helps give direction, yep. but there's, they there's don't know that that's happening. Things. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of scientific theory behind that too. Just the theory of expectation alone. When you sing, um, let me call you sweetheart, sweetheart. right? Uh-huh. Or take me out to the oh, okay, okay. So, um, I can give one quick example, like from a neurological standpoint. Early on in my music therapy career, I was working with a um, a veteran who had suffered a stroke, um, and so he had expressive aphasia. So he could understand everything that I was saying, but he could not verbally, uh, physically, because of where the damage up had happened in his brain. Wow. So fast forward with using music, he um, was having issues with contacting the nurses and the staff about like, how do I need to go to the bathroom? So he was having all these issues because he could not Couldn't. verbalize what right. he needed. So when I was working with him, I found that music was a a great framework for that. So basically we used an NMT, which is a neurological music therapy intervention, where I took the words to to what he needed to say and put it to music. So for example, when he needed to respond to someone by saying like, I need to go to the bathroom, he, I used take me out to the ball game. So when he could not physically say, please take me to the bathroom. bathroom. We could prompt him and he could say, take me to the bathroom. And eventually music away, but it was a tool for communication for him and a total game changer for his self-worth also. So, so so if you, so bringing it back to the angel band project. mm -hmm. So let's say you have a, a person, an individual who has been a victim of sexual assault, um, they get referred to you or, and then uh, how does that, Rachel, take me through the process of how they get to somebody like Tracy. And then I want to hear like Tracy, like how you work with them. Mm -hmm. And I'd imagine they would be like, so reluctant, like maybe that, maybe that's me, but I mean, I wouldn't want to talk to anybody after something like that. Yeah. So the way that we work is, so Angel Band Project does outreach in the community. So we partner with agencies that work day after day with, um, with this population. So okay. once like we have a, a Lydia's house or exactly, a, safe a St. Martha's Hall, oh. a safe connections, exactly, yes. okay. YWCA, 
either, you know, a crisis counseling agency, a women's shelter, um, a sex trafficking organization, places that we know are safe spaces for therapy and counseling. So we establish relationships and then through their social workers and therapists recommend different clients to our workshops. So we, we actually do our, our programming in workshop formats. So usually around eight weeks or so meeting once a week for 90 minutes in a small group setting that gives peer to peer support. It really builds each week builds, uh, you know, on each other so that by the end of those eight weeks, that's just an example. There is a lot of, um, opportunity for processing trauma, either verbally or through music oriented activities, which Tracy can share. Um, So that's kind of how we go out into the community and find clients who would be willing to try out this form of therapy as a part of their healing. Mm -hmm. That makes a ton of sense. And we talk a lot here about peer support. I mean, we know the power of peers is undeniably effective, right? And that's everything from little kids to mediate conflict to people in recovery, helping other people maintain recovery and find sobriety. And then to, you know, peer work like you're describing, which I'd never really thought of before. It makes a ton of sense. So Tracy, like what kinds of things do you do with these people who have sort of been referred as good candidates or open to the process? Mm-hmm. So to echo what what Rachel's talking about, specifically working in a group setting, um, is we we theme base an eight week series, and that can be like um, it can be about self worth, it can be about um, just fostering self belief and creating new pathways for healing. But we use music to meet those goals. So in other words, like I was talking about before, that creation of pathway to healing or recovery or processing trauma, that's the non-musical goal, but we're using music to help clients process what they're going through. And as Rachel was saying, and you were saying, Nicole, is that peer support is so powerful in these groups. Um, And just kind of like to your question of what do we do? There's things like we do therapeutic group songwriting where clients are collaborating and working together about what they're going through. And at the end of the eight week series, they've created their own original song and possibly even recorded it. And something like that becomes truly like a living legacy that they can that they can take with them. Um, it's it's a novelty piece of that, but also it's a great framework for um, just supporting each other. Yeah, in a safe right. space. Totally. Um, I think, you know, tr- this kind of trauma is so severely isolating. That when there is an opportunity in a safe space with support for them to share their experiences, and these are intimate, scary, uncomfortable conversations that a lot of our participants are having. And what what we get to see over these course of the series, whether it's eight weeks or six weeks, um, virtual or in person, we're getting to help foster these relationships with music. So another um, thing is if we're doing creative music making where we're actually using live instruments and making improvisations and doing music together, um, that is psychosomatically very supportive for clients that have dealt with trauma. Um, And it's just a great, sometimes when we can't find the words to explain what we're going through, 
um, music can be a great framework for that as well. But there's so many interventions that we use. We also, we also like to do one called lyric analysis. It's where we offer up opportunities for the clients to bring their own music that resonates with them to the group. Oh, wow. And then we help process them throughout the group. What's so awesome about this intervention is that clients bring songs or selections to the group that usually nobody's heard. Um, and it, each other's songs become a, a great source of support for not just the person that is sharing that. Not only does that increase their self-worth, but it also helps the other participants in finding other resources or other songs that might be beneficial to them as well. So, and all through that, this is counseling supportive process that's led by a board certified music therapist. And often there is an agency partner, whether that's a social worker or a counselor that's also present during those sessions as well. But there's, you know, the great thing about music therapy is that you don't have to be musically talented to benefit from music. Um, and everyone. And I think that's a common misconception, right? Like a very I, big misconception. Because I said, like, I'm not musical and you mm -hmm. probably say, bring it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm probably your favorite type of person because I'm like, oh, I'm not good at music. Like I took three piano lessons and it was not for me, but, and you're probably like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that is a definite misconception. There's no aptitude test that you yeah, have to pass right. to qualify for music therapy. I think music um, in general affects all of us so deeply, deeply. Um, yeah. and everyone is different. So although it can be individualized, that individual piece can be really um, beautiful in a group setting because in turn, it ends up supporting each other throughout the process as well. And then again, it's not so isolating when they can share what they've gone through, through music. And right. sometimes traditional talk therapy is really difficult. So um, sometimes yes. having this platform and framework is a great container to, to house those emotions. So let's say that one of the groups puts out a song or something like that. Is that then, Rachel, like, I mean, not to be tacky, but does that then become like a fundraising opportunity for you? Do you all, like, do they sell this? Is this, like, how, how do you raise funds, basically, is my question. And where are you? I know you have like an office here in St. Louis or staff in St. Louis, I imagine you have staff in Seattle. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then are there other places? Like how, how, how does this organization work? Like structurally, this is fascinating. I'm so, I have to tell you, <laughs> I love everything that you all are doing. This is so interesting. Okay. Oh, Nicole, you've been, you've been so great and, and such a witness and a cheerleader for, for our mission. And I appreciate it. Um, so basically we, yes, our headquarters are here in St. Louis. We have programming in Seattle as well as New York city. And those okay. were two, two, uh, different locations that were chosen for purposes that we could go on and on about, but that is where we currently have programming. However, um, during the pandemic, we expanded throughout the state of Missouri, as well as into some other outlying areas in New York state because of telehealth. So our music therapists being as creative as they are, many of them quickly embraced telehealth and we just pivoted that way. And it's actually been a lasting platform for several of, several of our agencies. We have uh, an agency we work with in Springfield, Missouri, as well as Columbia, Missouri, and Tracy and her team lead those sessions remotely. So 
yeah, that's kind of currently where we, where we reside. Awesome. As far as fundraising goes. Um, so our primary sources of fundraising by and large are individual donations. Uh, we also okay. are grateful to corporate sponsorship in the cities that, you know, that, that we serve as well as grant funding. Um, the arts and education council here have, have, have given us a lot of funding to expand programming. Um, and we're appreciative of that. So I would say though, it's, primarily individual donors that get behind our mission and really want to support our work. Um, when our clients do these special projects, like the therapeutic songwriting that Tracy was talk talking about, we actually have a format that's called Songs of Survival, which is an opportunity for survivors who are maybe a little bit further along in their journey. They come to Angel Band Project with the intention of receiving individual music therapy songwriting sessions with an end goal of actually writing a song and, you know, producing it in a studio and releasing what? it to the public. So wow. we've done two of those uh, projects so far. The first one was in, in St. Louis, and then we just wrapped one up in New York City. And I will say these projects have been, I mean, truly life-changing for, for some of the clients that have participated uh, because they've been ready to share their voice, to get their message out. And it, it has just created such a stronger network for them because they've stood on stages, they've raised their voice, they've shared their pain with people who are open to receiving and hearing it. And it's right. incredibly powerful. Um, so, you know, when the opportunities come forth that our clients feel ready to share their songs, of course, we give those opportunities, but it is never, you know, the, the goal that we have for them. It's not to perform, right. not to have this, you know, public persona. It's really to process in these safe spaces and then encourage them to continue to be creative beyond the eight weeks that they're with us. Um, we just started a monthly check-in uh, called the, uh, the Jam Sessions. That's what we call them here in St. Louis, where past clients can just come in for an hour on Zoom and have an opportunity to connect and create music just for an hour. Um, because there oh, is something. Cool. Yeah, there's something that, you know, I feel like once you have seen yourself as a more creative person, whether that's musical or, you know, a photography or drawing or dancing, whatever that is, once you have it, giving opportunities to celebrate that and pass that along and continue that is so key, uh, I think, to any long-term healing journey. So we really try to encourage that beyond the time that, that our clients are with us. How many staff do you have, Rachel? Uh, well, here in St. Louis, I'm full-time. I have a almost full-time assistant uh, and then a couple of part-time. That's Rick's wife, right? That's Rick's, That's Rick's wife. wife. Yes, my yes, lovely okay. assistant, Dawn. Uh, and then we have some staff uh, that are just part-time that do some of the administrative work on the program, yeah, scheduling and development. Um, all of our music therapists that we are working with are currently contractors, so we contract okay. out so that we can actually get into these geographic regions oh, totally. uh, that we want to serve. So um, we're really choosing. I would imagine. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I imagine, Tracy, that being a contractor does offer you some flexibility as well, right? So you well, can, it does. yeah. And I think that 
So I think, so for, from an angel band perspective, the programming is based on need. So it's not like ongoing. Right, right, right. Although it's happening, it's not. Yeah, like it might be like eight session. weeks and then maybe exactly. like a break and then, yeah, exactly. right. So for us um, and for me, kind of just helping the team in the St. Louis area, just kind of coordinate it because because we have multiple therapists that are qualified to do this type of trauma-informed care work. Um we have some flexibility on our end to be able to meet those needs when there's when there's a agency or Rachel calls and says, hey, this this agency wants to do an eight week series. Can you make it work? Who's available? Who's qualified? That sort of thing. And flexibility, you know, really is the name of the game these days with hiring and with the workforce. Mm -hmm. And and this would. I'm assuming would allow someone like you, Tracy, to be able to do this and then maybe to be able to work in a nursing home if you wanted to, or take some clients that you're teaching vocal instruction or like whatever that looks like. But then yeah. you can really get some killer people, I'd assume, Rachel, like that allows oh, you yeah. some flexibility. Yes, yes. We really have an amazing team of music therapists. And, you know, I just feel like once you get to know music therapists, you understand that they they truly have a special gift and that the connection that they can make with other people immediately through a, a music intervention, it's unlike any other kind of relationship that you develop. It cuts through so quickly. I've been on the receiving end of some music therapy and I can tell you, and I've done CBT, you know, talk therapy as well. Yeah, yeah. There is something that as soon as you integrate the music, it gets you into that deep place very quickly, right? So it, give, it it enables some healing to happen a little more quickly than it might in some traditional forms of therapy. So I, I appreciate it for its ability to make change faster in a way, but also the yeah. sensitivity that our music therapy team brings to, to our clients. There's no question- it. Oh, it's yeah. it, truly, it's like, a it's gift. It's palpable, I, you know, and I, it, it, and I, I, I've heard like the physical changes, right? Like I was watching like a documentary on Gabby Giffords and they were really struggling with her progress. And then they introduced music therapy and like, she just like, like it just okay. kind of like opened up, but also like the emotional healing that you're describing and Tracy, like your empathy, like comes through like so i i can imagine what it would feel like to be in the same room with you much less like if it's coming through this way yeah. you know i mean it's it's pretty incredible um thank you i think that just from just my experience i think what is so i don't want to say the word magical but is what's really beautiful about music therapists and music therapy is that Music allows, you know, I feel like progress for a client is often um, relies on a big piece of the therapeutic relationship and bond between therapist and client. Right, right. And, you know, a lot of these clients specifically that have suffered trauma or that are surviving trauma, trust is a big thing. And that's that's a big component um, of trauma-informed care. Yep. And- I think when when you have the right music therapist and the skill set, but also the empathy piece, but but music alone itself creates this immediate bond between 
therapist and client. And um, when, when done by a board certified music therapist who's trained to do this type of work and trained to do this specific type of application, um, music helps us. It's, it's the piece that um, it heals us. Unites us. Yeah. Unites us. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I could be in a room. I mean, I go in and see, we get new clients all the time, angel band or regular private clients. I don't know them from anything other than what I've gotten on an intake form. So for, for someone to allow a stranger like me to come into their home or to come into their safe space and process trauma with them, there has to be some sort of medium that grounds us together that sort of equalizes our relationship. Um, and that trustworthy piece is big. And I think music is a huge component of that. Wow. I am fascinated by music therapy. I've always found it fascinating. Um, I am just such a huge super fan of what you all do. And, um, I'm just really grateful for the services that you're providing for this community, for other communities, um, and for, for survivors, turning those, those victims into survivors and thrivers. Um, I hope you find this as fascinating as I do. And if you want to learn more about the Angel Band Project, um, you can please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to The Preventable. Rachel and Tracy, thank you so very much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. It's been a true pleasure. And if anyone feels like they need support, please reach out to Angel Band Project directly. And if we can provide any kind of resources or referrals, we will do that. So thank you for this space awesome. and opportunity. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.